things that are very easily available are easily available, but that doesn't test your grit. I always, in fact, I tell my team also, the grittiness will decide how successful you are. There are many people who are very smart and intelligent with all due respect, but if you don't combine it with the right kind of grit, it's not going to take you too far. Welcome to the Indianist Podcast, a show about leaders of Indian origin who have overcome challenges and worked with dedication to ultimately achieve success. By telling the stories of the defining milestones in their journeys, we hope to inspire others to learn how they too can succeed in their pursuits. Here's your host, Sanjay Puri. Welcome to the Indianist Podcast. Our show is really about talking to leaders change makers of the Indian American community, people who are making a difference in technology, medicine, healthcare, education, politics, nonprofits, etc. I keep getting asked all the time, how come Indians are so successful or driving companies like Google and Amazon and Microsoft or Vice President Kamala Harris or Prime Minister Rishi Shonak? I said, I have no idea. But let's find out in talking to some of these folks who are the change makers, find out what's the secret mojo behind this that can help inspire others who want to be like them or want to follow in some shape or form their footsteps. So with me today, we have an amazing guest who's a physician. She's an entrepreneur and an innovator, Dr. Shailaja Dixit. Welcome to the Indianness Podcast. Thanks for having me, Sanjay. You talked about Google, Microsoft, that's definitely very big shoes to fit in. So nowhere near that, but thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Since you brought that up, they were much smaller companies at one point than yours. They were in some cases in a college dorm at Stanford and things like that. But every story is unique and every individual has some amazing capacity. And that's what this show is really about. So let's just go back to the beginning. Tell us where you were born, a little bit about what was the atmosphere like, what was driving you, etc. That would be very helpful to our listeners. I was born in Kanpur, UP, Uttar Pradesh. Spent a lot of time in near Delhi, NCR area as we call. And then I did my MBBS in Maharashtra. So I call myself a global citizen and have been in every part of India. I've been very fortunate. That helped me understand how diverse Indian culture is. As I was from the very beginning, like many Indians, I guess, one of the big things in my family was education. It is part and parcel of your, like you have your food, you have to go through education and college. So it was instilled. I think one distinguished thing I will talk about Maybe I'm not that unique or my family environment, but which stuck with me and inspired me. My grandfather, who was, of course, pre-independence, I'm talking about, he made sure that every woman in our family is highly educated. He was okay if men are at par, like decent education, but he made sure that every woman is highly educated. So my grandmother at pre-independence time which is a pretty big thing, as you can think about double masters. My mom went through PhD. And his point was that women are foundation of society. So if you have to see a society grow, then you need to start at home and make sure women are educated. I think that stuck with me, seeing not just my mom and my grandmother working hard 
trying to make a mark in society. I think that's what has inspired me all through my life. Well, that's amazing. You said that's not so unique. I think if you go back in time, it was pretty unique at that time when you talk about pre-independence, post-independence, and you talked about women being the foundation of society. You saw all of that, and that must have been pretty inspiring. Do you have any siblings also? I have a brother, younger brother. He is in Dubai. And from very beginning in my household, I think as an elder, there was equality of what work has to be done. My dad never told me to do any chores in the kitchen that my brother would not do. I think we teach our kids by action, and that's what I have seen. For example, my mom was always working mom. She was a professor. If I had to lay the table, he had to clean the table after dinner. And then we had to rotate. We had a roster. I think those things, they are small little things. They do impact you that I was treated quite equally, unlike sometimes subtly in our society. And now I think things are very different. But think about our parents and parents before that. We subtly talk about things where we expect a woman to do more, plus do education as well. But I think I was born with the values and actions, not just values, that you literally have to do. You are equal than any other male sibling or my brother. So that had a big impact on you. For that time, I would say it is very remarkable. And also the education that you saw, your grandparents and your parents, was that kind of, it was expected that you would get a lot of education because you got educated in India, but then you came to the United States and then you got educated and you got educated. So talk a little bit about that too, because most people, if they're physicians, they would come here, they would practice and be happy, but you didn't follow that path, which is pretty unique. Yeah, so I would say two parts of your question, Sanjay. One is that, yes, I believe like many of us, I think education is a fabric of our values, if I may say, right? I consider myself, and there is a broader thing, I think that also teaches us to be a life learners. I call myself a student even today. And I do have some aspiration to go back to college, actually, even at this age. I look at myself as a life learner. The learning doesn't end. And that has helped me because you become humble. If I acknowledge that I don't know everything and I'm a life learner, then I think things become very easy. You don't have ego. You become humble. And wherever you meet people, you're always learning, always learning a new thing from them. So that's one thing. What I was told not to stop learning at any age, you be, I'm a life student, but it was expected that you need to go to college. One negative, but I don't look at this as a very big negative. I think this is also true, especially us. We are like second generation pre-independence born in India. One of the thing was at that time, it was given that as a society, what we can, there were not many means. India was still coming out of that. 30, 40 years of being independent. One thing that was told to us was that education is the only thing that we can come at par and fill the gap that we missed during colonialism. And look where India is. I mean, with that value and the fabric of the society, I think one of the big things with India is that education is what has got the society, the country, the culture where we are today. So I'm a life learner. That's how I put it. I want to say one thing. You talked about going to college here in U.S., some of it was 
necessary because Indian residency is not recognized here. So I had to go through those exams and further training and whatnot. Some part of getting educated, I did my master's in MPH and informatics, was actually a pure plain desire to understand the healthcare system. So if I'm working and trying to have an impact in the healthcare system here, and I call US my karma bhumi, and it has given me so much. If I had to have an impact, which I'm very passionate about, it starts with going back to school and understanding the basics of that aspect. So some part of my education was required. And then the second part of education was something that I thought I had to have to even have an impact and start thinking about having an impact. That's very impressive. As you mentioned, life learners and Really, with the pace at which, Shalaja, the world is changing, if you're not life learners, you could become obsolete in so many ways. So that's a big message for people who are listening, people who want to follow in your shoes. And as you said, you still are, you were not required to do the MPH, but you wanted to learn how to do things better. And you did your MPH. And then where did that journey take you, Shalaja? In the beginning, as I was the tenure faculty at Robert Wood Johnson, UMD and University of Medicine Dentistry at that time, now Robert Wood Johnson or Rutgers, I was actually sent from, my part of my education was sponsored by UMD and J, and I'm very grateful and my MPH to understand. It actually opened my eyes that I can have an impact as a physician, but I can have a bigger impact if I can have a change in the healthcare system. And I believe Unfortunately, we all will acknowledge that U.S. great what we are doing as an economy, as a country, but the problem is our healthcare system is not the greatest, and there is so much to be done to fix it. And that's where my journey started, an ambition to do something and have an impact. I don't think I alone can fix it, but I think we can definitely have some dent. And if I can even have a small change and a dent, that's where my education led me. From there, I, it opened my eyes how the healthcare system works here, what can be done, what are the deficiencies, what can I do using technology to make any change in the healthcare system. And I ended up being in insurance company, Atna at that time, G Healthcare. I led their incubation and innovation team. And three and a half years back, started my own journey. So you went to big corporates also to understand what they were. What were some of the challenges that you dealt with working in some of these big companies? Just give us some kind of view into that. First of all, being a woman of color or coming from India, oftentimes, unlike in IT, I think in IT, the people who came information technology, it was very natural that you will have Indians, positive prototype, if I may say. But there was no negative or positive prototype for a Indian woman to be in those boardrooms or leadership meeting. So it was slightly difficult to make your mark and make sure. The good thing was I always took it as a very positive thing. Nobody walking out of that meeting would forget me. Why? Because I was the only brown woman sitting across in the table. So sometimes they forgot my name, but they say, oh, there was that Indian origin woman in the meeting. So even when a president would leave the president of the organization or CEO, would leave the meeting, they'll remember that there was somebody like I was sitting on the table. So I looked at it as a positive way. But yes, definitely, the whole fact does become uncomfortable at times. But the thing is, Sanjay, I've always seen that if I'm honest in what I'm expressing, and if I have the right kind of knowledge, 
it is a very small time that you have that hump that people look at you as doubt that I'm not sure if she's here, she's so young, maybe has a different accent to us, she's the right person in this room. Very quickly that comes gets overcome by your honest feedback, your education and the knowledge that you bring to table. I tell people, don't worry about that initial uncomfort that you see when you walk into a room because guess what? The people sitting in that room are also uncomfortable because they are guessing what's going on. But five, ten minutes into the meeting, if you're saying the right stuff, that gets thrown out. That should not impact you. Well, that's very interesting. So you basically took what could be a potential negative of being different into a positive where they would remember who you were and obviously your knowledge helped. But your upbringing, especially your family or being from India, did that help you during some of these times? Because those are challenging. You work for some huge companies. GE and others are massive companies. At that time, there were not too many of you there. Absolutely. So what helped from our learnings in India is, I actually went to a very different state in India, very slightly different from a cultural perspective as well. So a desire to challenge yourself to come out of the comfort zone. If you have that desire to constantly challenge yourself, things that are very easily available are easily available, but that doesn't test your grit. I always, in fact, I tell my team also, the grittiness will decide how successful you are. There are many people who are very smart and intelligent with all due respect, but if you don't combine it with the right kind of grit, it's not going to take you too far. So I think that's one thing that we learn in India to be gritty, to keep on going. And then I think second thing I would say is being humble and humility. Humility takes a long way. Even if you keep on growing, you need to be humble and you have to have humility. People see that if you're not humble. And if you're humble, I can tell you with your grit and knowledge, people will come. There have been more people who have been willing to help me and say that I want to help you. I want to guide you rather than me going to them and asking for help because they see that you're humble, your humility and grit. I have lived by these three principles of grit, humility, and humble. Wow. Grit, humility, and humble. Those are very important points for people to follow. I presume you're taking those three things into your new venture. Now you have a very exciting venture, which is Curio. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Curio and how it came about, Shalja? Sure. So, Curio focuses on women's mental health all across their life cycle. It's a self-guided, digital-first approach augmented by coaches and therapists. Unfortunately, as a nation, internationally even, we are in a mental health crisis. U.S. doesn't score very well for women's health, pregnant moms, and mental health, all three. I had a personal experience, although as Indian origin families, usually have good family support. My mom came from India to support me, but I still was suffering from a lot of anxiety because I had worked very hard to get my career to where it was. And now I had a newborn child. I did not know how to handle the situation. It was really tough for me. Very close to quitting, but I'm not a quitter. The grit comes in effect at that point. And I said, okay, what can I do? I kept on going, but that's not the story with many people it becomes so overwhelming for a new mom that we do see them dropping off. And that's where, in this phase of my life, I wanted to combine my 
digital health, AI, and all of the science that I have learned and healthcare combined. And that's how Curio was born, to bring a tool to every woman out there to take care of their emotional health, because I know there is a stigma. I know there are access issue. And I know there is, a, as a society, it's not easy for a new mom to acknowledge that she's not happy in the moment of having a new child. That's very interesting. And as you rightly said, we are in a mental health crisis. I think everybody acknowledges that. And I think technology might be a solution, which is what you're trying to do. And you're using your personal experiences to do that. Generally, Shailaja, when people talk about startups or technology startups, especially in Silicon Valley, we see a lot of it is generally, and especially the funding, all the figures and facts are there are male-driven startups or businesses that get there. You obviously are exceptionally capable and you have raised funding from outside too. Was it hard for you to do this? It was not easy. I completely agree. First, I think I was fortunate to have some believers in the beginning. The first hump came from the people who I've worked with. Actually, my boss, like who was I used to report into at Sanofi, he was the one who said, if you're doing something, there has to be meaning behind it. He acknowledged, maybe I don't understand completely the problem that women face, but I know when if you are saying there has to be something. So I think that helped me. The first conviction coming from someone who knew that if I'm thinking about something, I'll put my 100% and I must have done my research well. So that helped me, Sanjay, a lot. But yes, fundraising throughout, we have done seed round, we have done series A. It was not an easy process. You're absolutely right. Even in things are changing and hopefully changing very fast and rapidly. But even today, only 2% of the funding goes to women founders because it's not easy. And my area, especially if you are expressing with all due respect to all male VCs, it was difficult for them to understand that what I'm talking about what could be the unmet need. There was an education that I had to do along with raising the fund. But Sunday, at one point, I started taking it that, okay, it's not a bad thing. Maybe, you know, my first round is going to be educating people. And that's not a bad thing. I'm going out and talking to these VCs and some of them roll their eyes. Some of them don't understand. But this is another challenge that you have to educate many more VCs. If I'm doing that, I don't get funding, but maybe the second woman who's coming in that door will get funding. That's also a success. So it was challenging, but I had some people who believed in me and that helped me a lot. So it opens up two points. One is, don't we need more women VCs also? Probably it would have been a lot easier for you to explain your business model if you were dealing with women VCs too, right? hundred percent. This is actually my another passion one day, Sanjay, that I want to make sure that there is access to fund to write ideas for women entrepreneurs. So we do, I want to, like people listening who are out there thinking about investing, I want you to encourage and women who are thinking and can, are thinking about being financial investors. We definitely need many more of them to come forward and support women entrepreneurs. There is enough data, Sanjay, that talks about the ROI of investment in women-run businesses versus non-women-run businesses, because I think women are more conservative in how they run their household. <laughs> Sometimes we all know that. If you think about it, our moms have been entrepreneurs in how they run efficiently our household, right? 
my grandmom on my maternal side who never went to college was an amazing entrepreneur she had five kids and what not and still ran everything so smoothly so i think women definitely are inherent entrepreneurs i think we often talk about oh they don't know finances i want to challenge those people who think like that think about your mom who used to run the household so efficiently and you still always had food on your table despite all the difficulties that she might be having at times so please come forward and support women entrepreneurs absolutely well, i think that's a great message and we will pass that message on that we need more women entrepreneurs we also need more women engaging as investors who can support women the one other thing that you kind of alluded and you talked about this a lot is the role of mentors in your life can you just talk a little bit about that and then i want to ask a further question on that yes i am what i am because of my mentors i could have had a very different trajectory if i didn't have mentors but i want to tell people one thing to have good mentors a you have to seek those mentors and then i think what helped me was going back to being a learner and humility you can't go to a person and say hey i know everything but maybe you can help me a little bit my approach has been that there is so much for me to learn i was fortunate that i had mentor is this com- country who actually helped me go and get my first job this is what you got to do i'm going to come with you and sit with you outside while you are giving interview inside to support you that's what mentorship means seek mentors and in every life stage your mentors change don't forget your mentors who were your initial mentors who made your life because there's always something to go back and learn from them i still have mentors there are times as an entrepreneur and maybe women entrepreneur even more the saying that says that it's lonely on the top is true but my mentors have helped me come out of sometimes situations where i am really feeling low i can pick up phone and talk to them and seek advice so i cannot undermine the role of mentors if you have to be successful i tell people to seek as many good mentors as they can in their lifetime i think those are very important points and you talk bringing it back to humility again to be humble in reaching out to mentors and mentors at different stages but not forgetting the mentors that you've had when you were starting out even though you might have evolved and grown i think that's an excellent point but since the show is about indianness do you think that we need to do more in the overall indian american or overall indian community to support each other because we are very individualistically successful and we come from a region where everybody is fighting to succeed individually so any thoughts on that so you said some a very important thing very nicely sanjay i have often reflected on this that why we don't have more mentorship thinking although if you go back to our old times there was guru and there was shishya and that bond was very strong we have heard so many epic stories about that but somewhere that got lost because as you said we became hustlers there were so many people that you had to elbow someone else to get to and be successful i agree that i think we need more mentors and obviously when you come from a certain culture if you have a mentor here who can understand your cultural aspect also it helps a lot because there could be some cultural barriers that your mentor can help you overcome or sort with you and talk about it i think that we do need more platforms for mentorship among indian community because i believe that if you pull one person 
that's how the society grows and creates a map today. Indian background people have a very important fabric of U.S. society and culture and economy as well. And we need to continue that by bringing and mentoring more and more Indian entrepreneurs or leaders. So I mentor some women and students. And if they tell me that, what, how can I thank you? I just say one thing that just remember that one day you will be in a position where you can help someone. Don't shy from giving back at that time. And the day you do that, give me a call and tell me that you did something like that. That's your thank you to me. That's all. If each one of us can even think about influencing and mentoring two to three people in our lifetime, I think that's a goal achieved. And I can tell you I'm still in my journey, but I do try to mentor one or two people. That is the most satisfying thing in the life because the success comes, wealth comes. But when you have a thank you coming from the heart because you were able to mentor two, three people and see them successful, that's the legacy. So yeah, there are many reasons to mentor someone. I totally agree. That's a great message. Basically, you're saying pay it forward in terms of what you have received. And I think we all need to do that because sometimes it really, people talk about a thank you journal. This is the thank you journal that is paying it forward. So I think you make an excellent point. You have achieved, I would say, what some people don't do in several lifetimes. But what, when you look forward, what do you see? Where does this story go for you? So first, we have to take Curio to the next level. I owe it to many women out there. I owe it to my investor. I owe it to my mentors who have trusted in me. So that's my next few years will be devoted on that to make sure that there is a tool and every woman or as many women we are able to give that tool to them to take care of their emotional and mental health. I do want to in parallel do philanthropy, which I am involved. Our family has teaches a lot of women in India. I would like to take it global beyond India. We believe in female education. It's a big thing that I've taken up on. So I think in my next phase of my life, I do want to devote my time in making sure more and more women get educated, more and more women get healthcare. Very important thing, if I have ever enough resources, I do want to create a fund for women entrepreneurs. That would be one thing that I have to do and would like to do sometime in my lifetime for sure. Wow. So philanthropy, women's venture fund, and making sure Curio is an amazing success for helping people who have postpartum and other kinds of issues. Wow. That's a big plate and really wish you all the success on that. We usually have a lightning round of few questions. These are short questions we ask generally all our guests. So I'm going to just ask you a few questions. Maybe you can give us some quick answers. This show is called Indianness. Everybody has a different definition. What is your definition in short about Indianness, Shelja? So the Indianness in me is my values that I bring. Again, I live by the fact that India being my Janam Bhumi has given me a lot and US is my Karam Bhumi. So how am I going to apply those values to make where I am, this country US, and have an impact here? So that's my Indianness, bringing my values of humility, grit, and being humble. Live by that every day. I start my day with thanking everyone in the morning, and I make sure my son does that too. So that's my Indianness, I would say. That's very, very impressive. Humility, thanking everybody. Tell us one person, whether it's Indian American or in India, that inspires you. One person who's living, 
actually my mom. I know this might come as an obvious answer, but she juggled multiple jobs and I never still ever felt we always had food on the table and all of our work. I don't know how she managed it. I'm just, even if I can be 50% of how she managed it, I would call myself successful. So that's one person that inspires me every day. Just a fun question for you, which is your favorite Indian city? Lucknow. We belong, originally belong to Lucknow. It's a very culturally rich city with a lot of food. I'm also a classical dancer, Kathak, which is a Lucknow dance form. So that's my favorite city. All right, Lucknow. I'm sure people from UP are going to be very happy to hear that. So towards the end, I want to ask you, if you were to go back 20 years from now, what advice would you give your younger self? I should have done what I'm doing now earlier. So just had a little bit more courage, take some more risky decisions, which is like starting your own journey. So I wish I would have done this 10 years earlier or 15 years earlier. So I when, often when people come to me and they say, oh, this is not the right time. I'll do it after this. I'll do it after this. I tell them that there's never a good time. The good time is now. When you think about an idea, do it. And just calculate in your head, what's the worst that can happen? Once you calculate what's the worst, actually you'll find out that worst is nothing. What could happen? Oh, I lost two years of my working thing, but you learned so much. You can always go back to work. So my younger self, take, go on your entrepreneurial journey slightly earlier than what, when I started. For people who are thinking about being entrepreneurs, don't wait. Or people who are thinking about any of those big decisions, don't wait because there is no point in waiting. As you said, what's the worst that can happen? Elijah, thank you so much. This has been really, really enlightening and hopefully helpful for people talking about the role of women in venture capital, talking about your family upbringing, the grit, the humility, paying it forward. A lot of amazing things to learn from someone like you. So thank you for being on the Indianist podcast and really appreciate you coming over. Thanks, Sanjay. Thanks for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Indianist podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future inspirational stories.